Welcome to the Spirit Truth Worship Podcast, where we have conversations about leading your church and leading your team in biblically formed worship. What's up, worship leaders? Welcome back to the Spirit Truth Worship Podcast. I'm on with a guest today, Jacob Boyd from Cornerstone Church in Ames, Iowa. Jacob, how are you doing today? I am doing very well. Good to be with you. Man, it's it's good to talk to you again. Uh, we've gotten to know each other a little bit just through our network, and so we serve at two churches in the Salt Network. Uh, they're actually pretty close together. I, I think we're maybe an hour and a half apart, uh, but we serve at, uh, yeah, so similar churches. Actually, my church was planted by Cornerstone, and so grateful for the work that you guys are doing there. But you want to say just a little bit more about the context you currently serve in, maybe like size dynamics, how long Cornerstone's been around, kind of what Cornerstone does in our network and all of those things. Yeah, definitely. So Cornerstone was planted in 1994. So in many ways, we're still a pretty young church. And uh, a number of years ago, Cornerstone had this shift in mentality and decided that rather than becoming just a bigger and better and marginally better megachurch, we wanted to be committed to being a ascending church. And so, yes, we are a megachurch. We're a bigger church, but we don't, we don't, aspire toward that actually yeah uh we are we aspire to uh to see the gospel preached uh, in places where it's not being pre preached because uh if you look at the data on college campuses around the country uh churches are dying um even though these are the most influential places uh where the next generation of leaders in our societies are being trained mm -hmm. and educated there's so much uh, potential there, but the church is dying, and we see that as an opportunity in this place where we need to um, we need to act and we need to to send and plant churches, and so that is something that we are uh, just exceedingly passionate about at Cornerstone. Yep. And so you shared a yep. little bit about how Candeo, your church was was planted a number of years ago, was birthed out of that desire yeah. um, to see a great church on the campus of you and I. Yeah. So I know the salt network is not, is like the salt network is younger than both of our churches. So Cornerstone started planting these churches in major university centers in Iowa and some other places, and then kind of formed the salt network. So the salt network is really only like, I think six or seven years old or something like that. Yeah. It might be a little bit off, but do you know how many off the top of your head, how many churches Cornerstone has planted that are a part of the salt network? I know they've planted more that aren't in our network, but do you have that number off the top of your head? Yeah, I don't have it off the top of my head, but it's it's somewhere around nine or ten cool. churches. So right now, yeah. we're we're planning about a church every year. Yeah, man, that's awesome. It's been fun jumping in because our church obviously got a lot of its DNA uh, from Cornerstone, and so we're uh, we're eight years old this year, and we're getting ready to send out our. We just raised up our fourth church planter that we'll send out. So we're kind of in mm. that. Not quite every uh, other year, but almost every two, every three years that we're getting to send out a, a new church to a, yeah. a college town. And so, yeah, it's just fun to see what the Lord's doing. Um, but that's not easy to be a part of that. And so before we jump too much more in, what what is your role at Cornerstone? What, what How do you serve for people who don't know? Yeah, so I am the, the worship director. So worship pastor could say the same thing. But I... I really primarily, I oversee our Sunday morning gatherings and our volunteer teams related to that, but then also sort of serve in a, like an influence and uh, leadership role for worshiping culture across sort of all of our contexts. So uh, 
Dalton, previous episodes, you've probably talked about Salt Company. Salt Company is our mm-hmm. college ministry. And on uh, Iowa State's campus, we have um, we have about over a thousand students who come out to our college gathering every single week. And so um, that's a big stewardship to handle. And so I, I'm helping with sort of leading and offering um, advice, leadership counsel um, in that worshiping culture as well. Um, which takes place right here at Cornerstone. And so I, uh, I do love music. I do love singing, but I love leadership quite a bit more. And I identify more so as a leader than a musician. And so I, I view uh, corporate worship and our worship cultures and worship gatherings as a place to, uh, to get to lead. And I love doing that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know one of the things that we both uh, love about our network is that we get to plant churches and send and raise up, but sending isn't easy. In fact, we were just talking about and both. You guys have about 10 people transitioning off staff at your church this mm-hmm. summer. Uh, we're right around, I think, uh, six or seven of our staff are transitioning off. Uh, but I know some of that is because we together just planted a church in Syracuse, New York. So you guys raised up a church planter, sent him to Syracuse. We raised up a worship leader and sent him to Syracuse to join yep. uh, Jason. So shout out Radiant Church Syracuse. Go find them right. on Instagram and all those things. Follow them if you're into the church planting stuff. Uh, but why does it matter? Like, why do we take sending so seriously in our worth going through the cost and, and the, the hard part of sending out some of our closest yeah. friends and those things. Totally. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, I alluded a little bit to it, like the church is dying in college campuses. Uh, you know, there's, there's so much potential there to, to see, uh, men and women who would be captured by Christ and who would, um, put their faith in Jesus and, who would devote their their life not just to making more money, but to uh, seeing seeing the world transformed by by the gospel, and so um, we see a great opportunity there, and so we want to send to those places strategically. But I think more than that, it's just wanting to be obedient. Think mm-hmm. of of Romans ten. Um, it talks about you know how then will they call on him and who they not believe? Yeah. How are they to believe in him if they've been heard? How are they to yep. hear without someone preaching? That's right. uh, so there are people that have ears and they have a, they are human beings made in the image of God and uh, they will not hear about the gospel unless somebody brings it to them. Yeah. So it's out of that heart that we want to see uh, more people go out into the harvest to preach the gospel to those who need to hear it. Um, yeah. No, that's so good. I think one of the things I was so compelled by when I was interviewing uh, with Candeo to come join the network uh, was this idea that college students are going somewhere. And if you can get them in college, we can send them on mission. It's like they're already going to go somewhere. We just want them to go on mission. And yeah, it's such a compelling vision specifically for why we would plant in college towns to see people raised up. I've got a friend just recently who I think from the outside looking in actually made a really interesting shift in, in ministry where he left a much larger church within a network of church to go join another network church in the same network that's already established, but is smaller, but it's in a college town. And he said that one of the reasons he moved was 
man, I, I so believe in raising up worship leaders mm-hmm. that I, I'm actually going to relocate to a different context. That's a little bit smaller, maybe less fun things to do. You know, maybe the church is smaller, maybe there's less resources, but it's because I actually believe that if I can engage college students, I could see more people raised up and sent yeah. out for the, for the glory of God. And I'm just so compelled by that same vision of, man, if we can reach students and this is really like, man, church planning just in general, it's like, man, if we can commit to sending out our best and raising up and I think the Lord just honors the the multiplication of his church. And yeah, how would you say you've seen that? Because I know you I look at our network and I see some incredible worship leaders and the one common thing, they all kind of find their way back to at some point having served at Cornerstone. Just you guys have done such an awesome job of I don't know if it's like just in the water in Ames or there's nothing else to do in Ames. So people just practice music all the time and love leading worship, or I don't know what it is, but you guys have something special going on. H- how have you seen that play out where you've sent out some incredible worship leaders, but you've seen the Lord continually bring new people and you've trained them up. Like what's that experience been like? Yeah, I, I think, I think what you said is right. I think God just honors that open handedness to recognize like, these aren't our people. I know we say that church, like these are my people. I've been led to shepherd, but like these are God's people, not our people. And so to be so open-handed with them, but yeah, this, I mean, this is kind of gets into like, not just worship leaders, but band members, production leaders, things like that. But we've really seen what happens when we pray and we depend on God. Yeah. I mean, it's really, it's like, it's like daily bread. It's like manna in the desert. It's, it's saying like, okay, what you gave us for today or for this season is gone. And now we're going to look to you for the next day, the next season. So, yeah. I mean, just a quick story. We, we have this meeting every week where we sit down and we talk yeah. volunteers and things like that. And we, we sat down and we, we asked the question like, okay, who, what do we, what do we feel like we need to pray for? What types of people? And we just felt like, hey, we have some great staff, like male worship leaders who can play guitar and they can sing. We don't have a lot in the way of volunteers, strangely. Big church, we should. So we just sat there and we, we, you know, we have these cards. We'll write it on a card. We'll put it up on the wall in our office and then we'll commit to praying for those things. So we, we, we made this card. We prayed for it right then and there. We just said, God, two. We said two male worship leaders who just have some musical ability and have good leadership. Bring them to us. And I'm not kidding you, like three weeks later, I, within a couple of days, got an email and then got a referral from somebody else, two guys who can play guitar and can lead worship. And we've heard, we've had that story happen so often where it's mm. like, wow, it turns out if you pray for things, yep. <laughs> God actually, he's listening. Yeah. And he, and we know that from scripture, but he's actually listening and he, he listens to those prayers and he answers them and he provides. So yeah. Yeah, we've, we've seen it time and time again. Um, that's, I mean, I was, I came in after worship leaders had been sent out of Cornerstone through a really weird set of circumstances. I got connected to Cornerstone. And so I was an answer to prayer at one time. And now I'm mm. in this place where I'm praying for God to provide people yeah. as people go. Yeah, that's so good. I, that was, so we had a conversation months back about that that meeting you guys do and you just start praying. And so we started yeah. incorporating that into our meetings at Candea with our worship oh, team. Awesome. So now we, we have a list of uh, kind of what we would say are like volunteer needs and desires where we want to see the Lord bring people. And we've just started praying them. And one of the cool things was, so we had that conversation 
I started praying for an electric guitar player for Salt Company. Two weeks later, I got a text from one of my current Salt Company students. He plays bass and he's he's uh he just joined the team this semester, but he's already like one of our better, stronger bass players. And I just got a text out of the blue said, Hey man, last night after salt company, I was spending time in prayer. And I I think the Lord told me I'm supposed to buy an electric guitar and start learning it to serve at salt company next year as an electric guitar player. And I'm just praying for an electric guitar player. And one of my students, he has no idea we're praying for this out of the blue. Two weeks later, text me that. And I'm just like, all right. So we're like, he's been meeting with me and one of our other electric guitar players. He bought a, a nice new, like Gretsch electric guitar, a a line six kind of pedal board thing. that Mm -hmm. sounds great. And is just like meeting with us and learning how to play. And he's a good musician already has a lot of competency and we're hoping that the Lord, okay, over the next year or so, we're going to see this guy become one of our electric. And it's not, it doesn't always come in the form of like, he's already ready to go, but it's like an opportunity to equip and train. And right. Yeah. Yeah, So yeah, it's really cool. And so I've been personally really encouraged since you sharing that with us, we just start implementing it and the Lord has been faithful to bring people and, it's still hard. Like sometimes they show up on a silver platter ready to go. And sometimes it's a little bit more challenging, yeah. but yeah, right. it's uh it's fun to ask the Lord and just watch him do, you know, do the work yeah. that he's, he told us not to right. the harvest is plentiful. The labors are few pray, right? That's what he says. He says to yeah. pray, not just to start going. And so, yep. That's um, so good. as, as we think about sending and yeah, obviously just maybe real fast, what has been some of the harder aspects? Like, as we talk about, like, it's worth it, man, the Lord brings people. It's all Mm -hmm. what we're both walking through it right now. What are some of the harder aspects of actually sending out these people? Yeah, I, I think it's, uh, I think it's first Thessalonians two, eight, it says like, so being affectionately desirous of you, we are ready to share with you, not only the gospel of God, Mm -hmm. but also our own selves because you become very dear to us. And I think we, like, we feel the, um, the gut wrenching nature of that is that like we bring these people in and we, we should be partner in the gospel with them. And then we end up sharing our lives with them and they become very dear to us. Like Paul says, and then it's like gut wrenching (laughs) for for people to go. And so like literally to encourage your best friends to leave you, that's what sending is like. And so it's, it's really hard and it's, it's hard to, it's hard to like live in this tension and we've been bad at this at cornerstone of like, we want to celebrate the people that stay and like realize that we need those relationships and that community and that family. But then also to not only do that, but also to celebrate people that want to go and view that as a metric of success. So it's kind of both these things together because yeah, it's, it's super hard to send your best friends away. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, we're walking through that right now where it's like, sitting out people who I didn't even realize how much I in just one year became really close to some of these people. And, and sometimes it's just hard. Cause like we're, we're sending out a worship leader to go to Syracuse. Who's got a lot of confidence. He's a very gifted leader, a huge, like shepherd's heart. Like he could open the Bible. And like, if all he ever did was open the Bible and shepherd you, he would be a really, really good worship leader. But then you throw mm-hmm. on how gifted he is musically. And and then we went to make a hire and we actually like couldn't find someone to replace him. <laughs> and so it's one of those instances where it's like in this particular season, like we've offered a job to a college student. We're like replacing someone with decades of experience and yeah, skill right, right. with a college student who is going to do their best. Well, and you know, and they're taking a different role, but it's like, and they're going to be part-time. It was, so it's not like a one for one. Like we sent out a really great leader and we got a new great leader 
It's just yep. not, it doesn't always work that way. And so, right. but it creates a fun opportunity as we continue to think, uh, about how we can raise up worship leaders in the future. It's like, so even though we're not maybe replacing someone with the same level of competency and experience, we actually now have a new opportunity to see someone grow in those things. And so, yeah, totally. uh, which is a great segue actually to maybe this next question, which is what are some of the, the big buckets or areas that as you think about training worship leaders, especially for the context that we send them to. So new church plants, uh, in college towns, what are some of the areas that you would say, and when I find a new worship leader, if I get someone he's in college or right out of college, and I want to start training them. What are the things you're trying to train them in? Yeah. Well, I'll say like the, the more pragmatic one first that actually is maybe, um, you have to pay a lot more attention to what we, at least what we've noticed is that you have to train them to like basically be really competent in production. Mm, yeah. So knowing the ins and outs of like how to plug stuff, plug stuff into a soundboard and then get it to go through the speakers and understanding EQ and compression and gates and all this stuff that goes into processing. <laughs> because I, I think, I think what, what happens when, especially like you're tr planning a church is you're not just the music person. You're also like the arts person and the production person. So you're having yep. to know how to shoot God stories on a video camera. You're having to know how to train a person, how to run sound because you're going to be on the stage and you can't run sound. So there's like, there's all these, these other very technical things that are less about leadership. They're just very technical that you have to know really well so that you can actually train a person how to do it because what happens is you get a person that maybe they, they love the idea of technical things and they just like want to help, but they don't know what they're doing. They need yep. to train. And man, if you don't have a good person behind the, behind the, the desk of that soundboard, uh, doesn't matter how good your band is. If, if that person doesn't know what they're doing, it'll undermine what you're trying to do. So yeah, I'd say that's one thing is knowing, knowing the ins and outs of production stuff. Yeah. But then I, I think, what's a huge passion for me is I don't want to just send out singers. I want to send out shepherds. So what I mean by that is I, I love sending out competent musicians, but I, I want to send out people that have kind of the, the heart of Christ for, for lost sheep. So, mm. um, you talked about loop 10 too. It's huge for our network. I I've been thinking a lot, in the last couple months about Matthew nine, 36 through 38, which is actually where the same, the same prayer is found in the gospel of Matthew. But in, in Matthew nine, 36, Jesus said, it says that, um, when he saw the crowds, it's talking about Jesus, when he saw the crowds and saw that they were distressed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd, he had compassion for them. So this is Jesus. He sees the crowds, he sees their hurting and he has compassion for them. And that's like the heart I think worship leaders need to have, not just that they're going to get up there and like grip it and rip it and play a couple of songs and then let the preacher come up there and do the real pastoring. But I think mm -hmm. like men and women who are musical need to like take on the mantle of being like the shepherds of the herding sheep that they will find in their congregation. So I think that's huge. And then right after Jesus says that, he said, it says like, and pray that the Lord would send laborers into your harvest. So it's like deeply connected to sending laborers into the harvest, that those laborers would be 
the type of people that would see the herding sheep and want to be a shepherd for them. So, I think that's huge, man. I don't know. I, I I could say more, but I think those those two things are actually pretty dang important um, and probably yeah. are undervalued and underemphasized. Uh, yeah, man. I yeah, I totally agree. I think one of the ways that to speak to both those, one of the ways that we've seen the production side of things, like we've actually started just like we developed an internship just for like worship arts tech things. And so we just planned a church in Cincinnati this past summer. Uh, and we actually sent a volunteer. He's just gonna be a volunteer, but like moved with the church plant to be on the core team who is just exceedingly competent in running sound to partner with their worship team and has been a huge blessing to them. And then yeah. we just were like, man, that was so valuable that we just replaced him, you know, with another person that we would say, desires and doesn't even necessarily have the skill yet, but is currently learning mm-hmm. how to run sound yeah. set up pro presenter. And so I think along with training worship leaders is to think like, man, if we're going to send, which we often do, it's like we send a staff team and a core team. It's like, man, if we could train a few people in the core team to be yeah. a great drummer and a great keys player and a great guitar player and a singer and a sound person and someone who knows pro presenter. And then we could send all of those. I just think it really strengthens the whole church too. And so we've seen a lot of fruit from that. So we have someone right now, who would say when they graduate, their plan is to go straight to a church plant and they're that's just cool. going to be incredibly well-trained on tech Yeah, uh, and they good. play some stuff too. So that's something that we've seen that's just been fun. And so, yeah, just trying new things. I've never, I'd never had a category for like an internship for someone who's going to go and be a volunteer at the church that they go to. Yeah. That's cool. But I was like, why not? Yeah. If we have people who want to do it, let's totally make space. And she's been really valuable to our team, but it's just super excited and will likely go on a church plant in two years. And so just super fun to see that the Lord raising up people to do that. Oh but, yeah. That's awesome. And it, as far as shepherding, I feel like that's one of those things too, where it's like, I'd like totally agree with everything you're saying about it. It's, it's often the thing that we don't talk about. It's, it's like, yeah, you can get really good at singing and playing an instrument and then boom, you're a worship leader. But we often forget about the other side of like growing in our character, growing in like even biblical competency and like theology and those things, which I think really bolster our ability to shepherd. How would you say that you would think about training someone as a shepherd? Cause I personally have like realized that it's almost the, like what kind of, you know, it's like, do you have this kind of gifting or, or leaning towards this? Like, how do you foster that? I've been trying to grow in that personally is it with our intern right now. She gave some feedback at the end of the year, which was like, man, I want to just like, can we just open the Bible more when we meet? I would love to just like grow in like biblical competency that she might not be getting in her, you know, D group discipleship group structure. Yeah. I, I just, how have you thought about like training people as shepherds? Yeah. Uh, yeah, a couple of things come to mind. We, I, I like, maybe we'll talk about this some point in the podcast. I, I think language is so powerful and I have so much to say about language inside of your ministry. Like when you're setting culture and stuff like that. So I'm always like, I'm always thinking of little phrases and things to tell our team to sort of give them vision for what we think should be important in a season. And one of the things that we're, we're saying right now is, um, that we want to emphasize intentionality over energy. So intentionality over energy when we're planning our services. And so I think like sort of the, the worship set playbook for a while has been like, Oh, your first song, it's gotta be high energy. It's gotta be a high energy song kind of draws people in. I'm sure everybody listening to this podcast has like heard that. And maybe they think that, and yeah, there's nothing wrong with that, but 
we've we've discovered that high energy songs people get tired of them really fast and so you're constantly rotating new material through and so it doesn't really have this ability to like really help people engage with what they're, what they're singing and think about it so yeah the last couple of weeks at cornerstone we started the service with service with just this very formal call to worship that goes something like hey welcome welcome cornerstone this morning, I uh, want you to know that you didn't come to church. You are the church. You are God's people. And God's people gather and they, they worship him. That's what they do when they gather. So we're going to worship. And, and I think it would be great for us to use the word of God to inform us as we worship. So I'm going to read from Psalm 18. And I'm going to give you some portions for you to read along with me. So I, I did that. And people are, are reading scripture with me. And then we played like build my life. So it's not like this banging Lion and the Lamb or Glorious Day or some something like that. It's just like, it's like an intentional moment to like really just address God's people and try to lead them into what we're trying to do and not just assume that they're going to figure it out, but to like be really intentional and, and wow. helpful in the way that we lead. So we don't have that figured out, but I just think right now that's a strategy for us. So I'm like training and like coaching that into other people as well in this season. Yeah. So, what would you say to the worship leader listening right now who would say, man, that sounds awesome. But at my church, people that no one's in the room when we start the service. So I feel like I'm not, I'm talking to an empty room or something like that. Do you, do you feel like, I don't, I don't know. That's just like a common thing I've heard people say of like, yeah, totally. you know, and so, yeah. What would you say? Yeah, I think, well, one of the things, yeah, it's do that's, it's a huge struggle. I think even at Cornerstone, people don't show up on time. I mean, some, a lot of people do, but then there's yeah. people that are coming in five, 10, 15 minutes into the service. I think it's just, I've kind of got to the place where I'm like, I want to just honor the people that are there. That's like, good. There are, there are a lot of people that are there. And so I want to just, I want to honor them and I want to, I don't want to give them a throwaway song. I want to give them like an intentional moment. So I, I think I think the getting on time thing is something that's very hard to change. I've, I've just talked to lots of church leaders that it's like, there's, it's, it's a, it's a difficult ship to move, but yeah, yeah. just honoring the people that are there, but then you don't have to just do those intentional moments at the top of the service. You can do them elsewhere. I think yep. it's, yeah. it's opening the Bible and just saying, Hey, this song we're going to sing is based off of this verse. I want to read it. And then we're going to sing because God's yeah. word always informs what we sing church. So it's yeah. giving scripture, it's giving vision, it's giving clarity behind what we're doing in a worship gathering. Yeah, that's so good. One thing I've always said that I, uh, it's one of those things where it's like over time, I'm like, I, I feeling out, it's like, how true is this? But I, I think one of the things, like if we want people to show up on time, one, it's, it's helpful that we start our services on time. I know some churches like, Hey, we'll start like two or three minutes late to get people time to get here. And then what happens is over time, people just show up six minutes late and then they're 10 yeah. minutes late. But I think there's also an element where it's like, start on time. And then like do something that if someone shows up late, they feel like they actually miss something they missed like, out, like right? actually like present, like, yeah. Treat that first song and moment. Like if someone like we had a, maybe a group of like 10 people walk in during our welcome this past week. And what they walked into was a room of 400 people in prayer, praying out loud at the same time they showed up yeah. and they're like, Whoa, there is something happening like there are literally 400 people in this room praying out loud right now and i'm sneaking to find a seat it's like yeah not that we want to make people like feel bad for being late or whatever right. like, i'm glad that people are there but it's like to, to for them to walk into something and be like man did i 
I feel like I actually am missing out on something that is valuable and important. And so I think if someone walks in and they just missed a intentional shepherding moment, and then they're into a song that's like, Hey, this isn't a throwaway moment. People are really engaged. It right. actually might help them think oh, I should, I should probably show up early to this. Cause I don't want to miss out on what God's right. doing. And yeah. So I think it's good. Cool, man. Well, I, I love that. What are some of the other, as you think of like intentional language, I actually wrote down some of the things you were saying, just emphasize intentionality over energy. I'm stealing that, man. That is so good. I love that. Uh, what would you say are some of the other like key phrases you found uh, maybe in this season or in past seasons that have been really helpful to give vision to your team? Yeah. So we have, we have three words actually that we, we talk about on our team, I talk about them. In the, we talk about them in the green room as we're praying before before services, and I had, I had spent a lot of time on these. These were like phrases, and then I distilled them down to like three word things, and then eventually down to one word things. And so uh, the words are fire, freedom, information. So I could explain those, but uh, yeah, fire, fire, fire just refers to um, a, really a statement actually that our lead pastor says a lot, which is we build the altar, but God sends the fire. And that mm. refers back to uh, when Elijah's on Mount Carmel and he's, you know, against the prophets of Baal and, you know, they're doing their whole thing with trying to get Baal to send out fire on their altar. And then Elijah, he, he, he does everything he can to make his altar not succeed. You know, he drenches it in water, puts water around it. And then you could summarize what he prays as God, I built an altar, send the fire. And so he just prays this simple prayer and God sends down fire. And we, we want to take that posture in our worship gatherings because we plan, we prep, we do all of these things in the week to get all the details ready and feel really prepared. But at the end of the day, we just have to say, God, we, we've built an altar, but you have to send the fire. And, and I think to expand on that fire one a little bit further, fire is really an, an interesting word in the Bible because it's actually one of the primary ways that the Holy spirit or God's presence on earth is, is described in the scriptures, like Moses in the pillar of fire, Moses in the burning bush, uh, tongues of fire on the day of Pentecost. I mean, there's Hebrews 13. It says like, our God is a consuming fire. So there's like all these, these demonstrations of that throughout the Bible. But I think what we're getting at with that and with just the whole God send your fire is that we don't want this to be a, a performance God in a time where it's like we entertain yeah. people. We want this to be a time where we encounter you. Like yeah. we're actually, yeah. we're, we're very mindful that like, God, you're meeting with us by your Holy spirit in our very presence. So that's the fir- first word fire. Uh, the second word is, is freedom. And so uh, it's based off of second Corinthians three seventeen. Now the Lord is the spirit where the spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom. So we want both this internal and external sense of freedom to be experienced and felt by our people. So yeah. internal is that the gospel, uh, it, it sets us free from sin. And while we can, uh, we can, the gospel can be true in our lives. A lot of times experientially, like we don't live in freedom as people and, uh, I won't get super into that, but, uh, so that's like one way with, with freedom. But then the second way with freedom is that we, we believe that worshiping posture is actually really important as described by the Bible. You see all of the psalm people with hands raised, they're on bended knees, people laying prostrate. Like you see all these physical postures throughout the Bible. And I think the American church deals with sort of this, this 
myth that worship is this stoic activity. And so we can be super excited when we're at a basketball game or a football game. Yeah. But when it comes to being in church, you need to be very serious. And I don't think that's in accordance with the scriptures. And so we, we, we really try to talk about worshiping posture with our people. We really try to coach our volunteers and our leaders that they need to exemplify this for our people, that they need to have a real sense of freedom and uh, expressiveness in the way that they worship, not forcing yeah. something that you're not, but just recognizing that these things, they actually matter and they have importance. And then yeah. the last word is formation. So corporate worship is actually a way that we make disciples. It's not just a way that we gather and check a Christian box off, but there's something formational that is happening when we gather and we worship together. The second part of second Corinthians 317 then 18 it says we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of god are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another this comes from the lord who is the spirit so all those things kind of work together is that we we have the spirit of god that comes in we encounter um him and um he sort of does the work of the spirit which is a bunch of different things like helping us see jesus as that happens then freedom is sort of the out product of that and then sort of through all of these things the sort of uh the result monday through saturday before we come back to sunday is that god is actually transforming us and he's changing us as a result of those things so yeah that was a snapshot um but i i'm very passionate about those three words and we talk about them a lot and it it informs what we do we've got other language i can keep talking i like i said i'm so passionate about language and crafting things in a way that are easier for people to understand so um, yeah. I can say more, but yeah, those Man. are the three words. That's so good. Well, one, I, I've been encouraged. I know one thing you've said, and I, I don't know if, if where this comes from, but the whole idea that, uh, words create worlds, uh, the, yeah. you, know, you said that with us, uh, at the conference and I, I totally, I couldn't agree with that more. I think, I think language creates culture and culture. Mm-hmm leads teams like we can like a person can lead a team and like one charismatic leader can lead a team um but i think it's a lot better when you like establish structure and culture that can help a team flourish for a long time because then a leader can leave uh but there's actually a culture already in place um and so i just think yeah culture and structures tend to lead teams better than just individuals who can lead well Mm. and so uh, but it does take someone who yeah champions the the language which i think really matters like we just implemented a series of what we call culture statements for our worship team at Candeo. Cool. That's awesome. And so we have this whole list. We like did a whole, you know, team night on them, walked through them all and just said, Hey, we want these things to become, they're already true of us. We want them to become more true of us over time. And, and we're just going to keep putting them in front of us. And, and hopefully over time we see the same thing, uh, which is that the Lord would yeah form us and shape us around his word and around what we believe to be true. But yeah, language creates yeah. culture and, and culture really matters. And so, man, thanks so much for your time. As we close, I just want to end with uh, just a couple of quick questions. Uh, nothing too serious. I like to just end with some rapid fire, uh, just off the top of my head, fun questions. Uh, so one, if someone wants to follow you, get to know you more, I don't know if you're on social media at all. Do you, does anybody, if someone wants to follow you or know more about your church, where would you send people? Yeah, I'm a social media ghost, so I actually don't exist. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Uh, but people can email me. I know that's super archaic. I would love if people emailed me. My cool. email is jboyd at cornerstonelife.com. You can put that in your show notes or anything like that if you want to. Cool. Love for cool. people to email me. That'd be fun. And 
we can uh, we can interact more over that, and then I'd give them my phone number if they emailed me. But cool. uh, I won't awesome. put that out into the air. <laughs> what would you say uh, right now, your favorite piece of gear that you use to lead worship? Oh, man. This is silly, but I, I think I just love uh, the wireless microphone. And okay. I've just been like, you know what? I don't want to play an instrument when I lead worship. I just want to have a wireless mic. And nice. I just want to, I just want to be a leader up there and be focusing on. less on what I'm playing and just more on leading the people in front of me and, and singing. So it's kind of a cop out, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's my, that's my favorite piece, piece of gear right now. Yeah. Gotcha. If you could uh, just suggest one book to a worship leader, what book would you suggest? The worship pastor by Zach Hicks. Great book. Definitely that's great. A book. must read if you want to be a yeah. worship leader. Yeah, that's great. What uh what is your go-to order? You're in a coffee shop. What are you getting? There's a drink at a spot in Ames. It's called the Red Eye, which is a a shot of espresso poured into a n- normal like drip coffee. So it's just it's very robust tasting and very caffeinated. It's very good. <laughs> nice. Cool. Well, Jacob, thanks so much for your time. I've enjoyed this conversation. Always encouraged. Uh, yeah. Just by what the Lord's doing at Cornerstone in you and your team. And yeah, just super thankful for you, man. Thankful for the opportunity to do this too. And if anybody's watching this and you found this helpful, I'd encourage you to yeah, like it on YouTube, subscribe and uh, whatever podcast player you're listening to. And hopefully we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks guys. Thanks for listening to the Spirit Truth Worship Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and also subscribe to the YouTube channel. And go ahead and give this podcast a rating in whatever podcast player you're listening to it in. And we'll catch you in the next episode.